Numbers chapter 11. We're back to where we left off. <laughs> For quite a time we've been out there looking at the end of the Jewish, well, the reassembling of the Jewish nation. Here we'll, we were looking at the beginnings of the Jewish nation as far as a coming together as a nation out of Egypt. Remember back then, and we've looked at about nine sermons in that, they included where the army of Pharaoh surrounded them or cornered them at the sea, and they, their, their cry almost every time was, why have you brought us out into the wilderness to kill us here? We'd be better off staying in Egypt. And so they cried that out, and the Lord delivered them that day. Then they faced the lack of water, and there was water there, but it was bitter water. It wasn't drinkable, and the branch was cast in. Cast the Lord into our life, and we have a wonderful life. And then <clears throat> there was the item of food. What are we going to do for food out here? Not enough rabbits, hares, or whatever. Probably didn't have any of those. Yeah. When you go to Israel, I, I noticed the different birds... You know, it's not a crow, but it looks like a crow. It's a bit smaller than a crow, <laughs> and not a magpie. A, and they make different noises. That's and just the animals. And and the, the, the roadkill was, um, I hate to say it, but jackals. <laughs> it wasn't us, <laughs> not jackal. <laughs> and uh, and they make a bark. They're, they're, it sounds a little bit like a fox when he's sussing the town out. He makes that howl and then gets all the dogs barking. Oh, you're there, you're there, I'll go through here. But that's what, they sounded a bit like that. But anyway, they didn't have enough food around locally. They complained about the food. Word to God, we'll go back, and, and that's a bit what we touch on today. And God sent manna from heaven. And today reinforces that. It's again brought up. Then there was water from the rock. There was a bit of water, then there was the water from the rock, and what did Moses have to do? He had to smite the rock, and waters gushed out. Then we looked at the, um, <clears throat> the next one was the golden calf. This is not very long. Within the first half year, they were out of Egypt. All these things are happening. And uh, <laughs> I can't get over Aaron. I still can't get over that. You know, I just... Got their earrings and threw it in the fire and out come a golden calf. You know, As it reads in English, you say, come on, Arab, we're not all stupid. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's, that's what happened and God punished them for that, didn't he? You know, well, we thought you were dead. You're up there in, in God's presence and no one can stand in God's presence. You must have died, so let's, let's make us a God that we can worship let's, and, and follow. Um, <clears throat> good old Moses got anger angry the lord was angry everyone was upset <laughs> and then we looked at a sermon on the books remember the books moses pled blot me out of your book and god said no nah, i blot those that don't believe out of my book and i pray that you're in god's lamb's book of life we're all in the book of life until we die and if we are saved people we have faith then we remain in that book. But if we die and haven't confessed the Lord, we're blotted out of the book. Um, then <clears throat> we looked at, well, that goes along with the last one. <laughs> they weren't content. Hardships in the desert. And God sent fire and the outer part of the camp, as we read this morning, 
and consume those in the outer part. Don't live in the outer part of the camp. Get in where it's close. <laughs> because the fire consumed them that were not content. And I'm amazed at the number of people that are discontent in our world today. In a country with so much, we act as though we've got nothing. And we want more. We never. It seems a human heart is never satisfied with what God provides for us. Discontent is not good. You know, we can be discontent with our lot in life. We can be discontent with what the Lord's provided, with the circumstances that come. And in this evening's message, I read a little bit of a testimony from <clears throat> Spurgeon, Metropolitan Tabernacle in England there. And he, he wasn't that he was discontent, but that he had a, he had a few... He, he had a problem with gout. And gout's usually associated with uh, lavish living, like strawberries and... I don't know what else you eat to get gout, but... Cheese, cheese, tomatoes, red things, it sounds like, tomatoes. Yep. So watch out for them. If you get gout, we'll say, don't talk to us, you're living living it up. (laughs) But anyway... (laughs) Um, But they they complained. Um, Mr Spurgeon not only had that, but he had a malady of depression severe depression and and he was called the prince of preachers but and another melody i found out too that the church thousands of people probably biggest church in the world at the time didn't pay him and i i I can't get that (laughs) they had they would have had plenty of goods though no they sent people out missionaries but there was something that I read and I hadn't heard that before in the history. But, <clears throat> yeah, he, he had to be paid for, for to go over to Spain for some months to recover from his severe problem with, depre- with depression. We quote some of those things in the sermon tonight. <clears throat> so we come to this one now. So there's all these things that have happened to the children of Israel as they're learning to live by faith in the wilderness, if only they'd take this step of faith. The big one, Kadesh Barnea, is yet to come. We haven't got to the big one that they made a big blunder. And then they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. But we have this occasion here where they were complaining about the meal. Complaining about what God was providing for them. It was all for nothing. This was on God. They were lusting for the delicacies of the world. Another way we could say they are fancying and fascinated with the flesh pots of Egypt. Another way, they desired the desire we see for the deadly diet that wasn't going to help them. As we come to the end of the chapter, if you read the whole lot, this chapter 11, you'll see that many of them died from the plague the Lord sent. Well, let's start with verse 4. The mingling and mixing of the multitude and the mixed multitude that was among them fell to lusting. The mixed multitude. Huh. This is forbidden. God forbids the mixed multitude. This is the source of their problem here. God never works through a mixed multitude. He works through believers. But in many churches, the majority might be not saved people I'm sad to say but that they go there for religious purposes for filling tradition for keeping up the family name or whatever 
And God has warned of these things in the scriptures, in the New Testament. We've been warned not to have this mixed multitude. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together, and especially the church. Especially the church. It's the Lord's body together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath Christ with Oh, sorry, what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God, where is temple, with idols? Ye are the temple of the living God. And so it's very clear in Scripture that God doesn't work through a mixed multitude. So those people, all these Jewish people that come out of Egypt, they were going with the mob. You know, they're all together. But some of them had what? Faith. Many of them didn't have faith. They were just with the crowd. And we can be like that. We can go along with the crowd. We can dress up. We can answer the questions. We know intellectually the Bible. But by faith we have not known him. And it's so important not to have the mixed multitude but to be part of the selected, elected Saved individuals. Do you want to come to church or do you have to come to church? Young people. You want to be here? You want a fellowship? And I think with what we've gone through as a church, all churches, that it's sort of going to sort some of the sheep and goats out. Believing and non-believing people, whether you're fair dinkum, whether just being away from church for a while has made you go so cold or you weren't warm at all to start with you weren't on fire for the Lord and it's going to tell I think it will and uh, you can read on there in, in those verses verse 7 I mean verse 1 of chapter 7 of Second Corinthians having therefore these promises dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness God wants a pure people and I think for the 40 years God was sorting them out those that had faith and those that didn't have faith. Colossians tells us in chapter 2, If ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, touch not, taste not, handle not. These people were hankering and desiring and coveting the things that they were used of as slaves, mind you, in Egypt, back in the world. <clears throat> God doesn't want a people like that. First Peter 1.14 says, As obedient children... Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Before you were saved, you were ignorant of the truth. You just went along with the lust of the flesh. But now we ought to be different. I'll put it like this. God wants us to have contact with the world, but not to be contaminated by the world. You have to live in the world, don't you? In fact, the prayer of the Lord in John chapter 17 is all about that. <laughs> I'm not going to take them out of the world, said the Lord. I'm going to leave them in the world, but sanctify them as they live in the world, that they might not be contaminated. Another way of putting it, <clears throat> God wants us to be insulated, but not isolated. And you've heard it before, insulated by the word of God and the spirit of God and you know, the fellowship of the people of God, but not isolated from the world that you can't minister to them. Somebody has to tell the world. 
And if God wants us to, wanted us to be isolated, when we got saved, he would have taken us out of here and gone straight to heaven. He wants us to be our testimony. Chapter 17 of John. God does not want us to be compliant nor conform to the world. Tell me a verse, you know it, where we're not to be conformed to the world. Romans 12. Yeah, there you are. Uh, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so he, he's not going to work through this mixed multitude. He has to sort them out before he gets to the land and taking over the land and capturing the land. And even when they got in there, there were some people that still had the wrong heart. Achan had that heart to, for the things of the world. Run not with them. We could look at them all up, but we wouldn't have time. First Peter 4, verses 3 and 4. Run not with them, the unsaved people. Christian, don't run with the world. And it can come into the church. It has in the past and it will in the future. In Acts chapter twenty twenty nine, it reads, For I know this, that after my departing, said Paul, shall grievous wolves enter in among you. And he's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. And the church at Ephesus was a, a very sound doctrinal church. What they lacked was love. But there he... He said that this grievous wolf is going to come in among you, not sparing the flock. They won't care. They'll just be in there for their own good. They'll gobble up the flock like wolves. Also, of your own selves, he said, men will arise speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples of... And we shouldn't be surprised that's what's going to happen because it's a mixed multitude. There's people who think they're saved, who profess to be saved, who come into the church... And after a while, you see their motive for coming is to satisfy themselves and get a hold of people and draw away others after themselves. It is the Lord's work, not ours. Let's not do that to it. And so we have the God's warning in 2 Corinthians 6 and 7 and Colossians 2. And then we have there the examples, the example of the church at Ephesus and the grievous wolves that are talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. False apostles, deceitful workers, angels of light, ministers of righteousness. That's what they appear to be. And uh, here's here's a quote from uh, J. Vernon McGee. He's written uh, through the Bible, a a series of books. And they're easy to read. He was a preacher for many years. And he said this, We have our churches filled with people like that today like this mixed multitude back in uh, Numbers 11. They want to mix with church people and go to church. They want to be moral and live upstanding lives, so they join a church. Then during the week they run with the world. They are a mixed multitude. They are not quite sure where they belong. They are not sure if they're born again. They don't know their pedigree. And I read on, he said, I have discovered through my years as a pastor that the real troublemakers of any church are the mixed multitude. He's referring to this reference, this commentary on that that we're looking at this morning. They are fellow travellers with the world and with the church people. They like to have a church banquet, but they don't want the Bible study. 
They want shorter sermons, less, less of that Bible stuff. And folks, a lot of churches have gone that way. And God's not with them to bless them. And he, we read on, they don't want to be forward in the church march, close to the ark of God. They want to stay in the back because they're not sure but what they might want to turn back at some time and take off into the world. They are not quite clear about what they believe. They are never, never happy when others are having a real time of spiritual blessing. Now, this is an observation of a pastor that had been decades in the church, pastoring a church. And they're not sure, then they don't like when others have spiritual blessing. They're uncomfortable in the church. And it is interesting to see when somebody turns to the Lord in church, the devil doesn't like it. And there's a reaction almost on the day after the service. Something goes haywire. And you say, what was that person on about? <laughs> it usually happens on that bit of concrete out there <laughs> you know we just had a blessing somebody turned up visitor at church and then all of a sudden there's this you know eruption of problem and you say ah oh. and you have to you have to make that assumption is this a one of the mixed multitude is one one of these people that don't believe they want to be but they don't like it when something spiritual happens they're, un they're uncomfortable in church, but more comfortable with the world. They just seem don't they don't seem to fit in. They are a square peg in a round hole, and I use that tonight too, because <laughs> we've already recorded that one. And they're troublemakers, as they were in the camp here. You know, <clears throat> in the parables of Matthew chapter thirteen, way back, and I really enjoyed going through it the third, maybe it was the second time through Matthew. Some years ago, was it the evening service? Matthew 13, we got there and the Lord started talking to them in parables, the sower and the seed and that. He introduced it with that. And then the disciples, just about in the middle of chapter 13, they said, why are you talking to them like this, in parables? You know, you've been talking plainly to them, they understood what you're saying. And, he, and the Lord said, what he was trying to sort out here is the mixed multitude. He said, for you you will know. But for them, they've had their opportunity, they've rejected me, the Messiah, they've rejected the message, and so now it's given for them not to know. <laughs> You'd say the Lord Jesus, wanting people not to know, well, he was saying they've had their time. They've listened, but now they won't understand. But you're going to understand, and I'm going to give you the interpretation of the parables. And he called them the mystery of the kingdom of heaven parables. Well, what that, what's that all about? You see, after that time, he was offering himself as the king of Israel, the Messiah of the Jews. But at that point, it's turning and it's like the mystery of the kingdom is what Paul said he had been given the keys to the mystery of the church. And that's what it's about. Chapter 13 is like church teaching, but it hadn't started yet. And he's given that in seed form, in parabolic form, and, uh, and if you go over to the junior church, you ask one of those kids when they come out, what's a, what's a parable? Ask, ask one of them. Ask your children at home. What's a parable? And they should say, Mrs. Jacob? An earthly, An earthly story with a heavenly meeting. They've got it drummed into them over there. <laughs> I mean, they've repeated it and repeated it. 
if you watch if you watch junior church and there and Alicia and Nicole are continuing it <laughs> but an earthly story with a heavenly meaning and in the heavenly meaning of the parabolic things in Matthew 13 the Lord is talking that even in the church there'll be a mixed the church you know like the Christendom put it that way better there will be a mixed multitude he said there's he gave the parable of the tares and the wheat tares no good you don't harvest them and eat them you, you, but the wheat there's a mix leave them there until the end of the age when the lord will come and sort them out there's the mustard seed which is a herb it's supposed to be a small bush but it grew into a great big tree and it was filled with all the evil birds a picture of the church has grown big it's got unsafe people in it galore evil birds everywhere but it wasn't supposed to be that it was supposed to be separated unto the lord a picture of the church the mixed multitude then he gave the picture the parable of the leaven and in the in the bread in the meal what is leaven a picture of sin in the church you see, the mixed multitude. And the Lord knew that would happen. And it's frustrating as a pastor that, you know, there is this sort, or maybe this sort, pray that there's no one here who's leaven, tear, and a mustard seed grown into a tree instead of a herb. Then there was the parable of the good and the bad fish. And he was teaching... He said to the disciples, this is what's going to come. This is the mystery form of the kingdom, the church. That's going to operate. Did, they didn't know 2,000 years. We know. We look back. For 2,000 years, this would be operating. This would be happening. And <clears throat> so the mingling and mixing of the multitude in the desert here was a real problem because there were people there that looked spiritual. Wasn't it the same in the Lord's day? <laughs> they, they were looked so spiritual. They did all the things that made them look like they were God's people. And it's not the way you dress that makes you a God's person. You know, it's not a tie that makes you spiritual. I have to be careful what I say. Things pop into my head. <laughs> I'm having to ring Robbie and say, take it out. <laughs> take that minute out. <laughs> anyway, I... Anyway, we'll leave that one and move forward. Uh, I think it was, was it last week? Was it last week, Robbie? I had to ring and say, take a minute out. Take from 53 seconds to 50, whatever. <laughs> take that minute out. And, and, and I remember when I was up here last week and I was looking at it, and no, something in my head, no. <laughs> Don't say it, but I did. So anyway, the mixed multitude are going to be with us. The parables even say that there that the Lord gave. Let's move to the next point. The mingling and mixing of the multitude, the lusting and longing for the world. Back there in uh, <coughs> Numbers 11, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell to lusting. <laughs> fell to lusting. Put your hand up if you've not lusted this week. Be honest. Put your hand up. <laughs> the Lord knows. <laughs> good <laughs> now i feel at home <laughs> because you know we do we've got an old nature that will want something that we shouldn't have 
And these, these people here were no different. But some of them were just plain unsaved, and so that's the way they lived their life, in the lust of the flesh, desiring only the worldly things. And the children of Israel also wept again, weeping uh, that I was back in the world and had all those things I enjoyed. Oh, that I want that. Who shall give us flesh to eat? I want some flesh. I'm sick of this bread. That's what they were saying, isn't it? I can't have... I've written Brother Weeks down here. <laughs> Where's the beef, brother? <laughs> Maybe we were feeding him a big enough steak. I don't know what it was. He will not be listening, so we'll leave that one on. <laughs> Who shall give us flesh to eat? And this is what they wanted. Ah. Uh, Galatians 4.9 says, But now after ye have known God, or rather are known by God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements unto which you desire again to be in bondage? Why do you want to go back there? You know that's leading to eternal punishment and condemnation. That's the road to hell, the broad road. These people were really hankering for the world. In Matthew 6.21 This is the warning of the Lord. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's where their heart was. It was back in the world. You're sitting in the pew now thinking of what you would like to do, what you used to do. I pray not. That you're tuned to the word of God and the spirit of God. And Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. And, And vice versa, as it says in that scripture. You know, the word lust is used many times in the Bible in reference to us. Let's turn to one that's very plain, the book of James, the book of James chapter 1 and chapter chapter 4. The old man, (laughs) the lust of the flesh. And sometimes we yield to the lust of the flesh. We give in. And the Lord is displeased and the spirit is grieved. But, hey, don't quit. Because the Lord can forgive you and me if we confess our sins. Every man, verse 14 of chapter 1. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. These people were lusting in the desert. Maybe there were some believing people that were lusting Majority of them were just plain unsaved and they just lived by that, by that rule. When he's drawn away of his lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Death in your relationship with the Lord and, and fellowship with him. Do not err, error, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Comes down from the Father of lights. Over to chapter 4 of James. He talks more about this lust thing here than than in chapter 1. In verse 1, From where come wars and fightings among you? Why is there problems in the church? Uh, Come they not here even of your own lust? That war in your members. And if you just speak about yourself and your members, your body, your old body, it wars. It wants to have things it, does, it shouldn't want to have as a Christian. 
ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, you, you know, you go about hurting others and hurting yourself. And you cannot obtain, you fight, you war, you have not because you ask not. Because if you asked, you wouldn't ask for that. It's not of the Lord. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Hmm. What could we what could we say, Lord, I want this. I want. What is your prayers like? Are they, Lord, give me uh, this one, this and that and the other? <laughs> what are some things you might have thought of in life? That, oh, I want that, you know. See your neighbour got it. I want that. You see something else. Oh, I want that. Why haven't I got that? I'm God's child. I should have that. And some churches operate this way, the prosperity gospel. You know, (laughs) they just think that. Well, now I'm saved. Everything comes free, and all of it comes to me. (laughs) You not read the Bible? That's not what God has said. So you receive not because you ask to consume it upon your lust, ye adulterers and adulteresses. And this is what they were doing in the wilderness. Friendship with the world is enmity with God, it says there. Uh, <clears throat> so they were lusting after these things. And there's many other references, and I think they're in the, in the outline that you have there. Galatians 5.24 says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Crucify the flesh and with the affections and lust. The tragic result of lusting is death, as seen in the life of Achan. And you might like to turn, well, in your time, not now, turn to Joshua 7. And he, he looked, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. He looked, he saw, and he wanted that gold, that wedge of gold, and that beautiful, beautiful Babylonian garment. He couldn't control himself. I've never had one of them. I've never had gold in my hands. I haven't felt the weight of gold. How wonderful it would be to have it in my bank account. Stuffed it in his shirt. I don't know how he, he wasn't all lopsided. And he, he went off, thought he got away with it, and he hid it in his tent. He knew he was doing wrong. When you're lusting, you're following the flesh, you know you're looking this way and you're looking that is anyone looking at me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you better look up because <laughs> someone's looking down. <laughs> and he thought he got away with it until the next day when they went to fight AI and they lost the battle and 36 men died. 36 fathers were not with their family anymore because one man wanted the stuff of the flesh. And they all had to line up and, and, and they can know. <laughs> he won't be able to name me. He doesn't know I've got it. Nobody knows. And it come down and it was Achan. Uh, and then he, and until it was really, he was nailed out like David with the sin with Bathsheba. One year later, when the prophet Nathan, he knew, but he didn't twig, that Nathan was talking to him. But, hey, don't make the pastor have to say, <laughs> you have sinned. When God talks to your heart about it, Confess it to him. I don't want to get involved. But if you go on in your sin, somebody, a good, fellow, godly Christian, might come to you and say, Thou hast sinned. Poor Nathan. You put the, you put the guy on the spot and make him do things he, in the flesh, but in the, he doesn't want to do, but in the spirit he must do. 
like Achan. The example there is given. The warning and the example. Lusting and longing after the things of the flesh. Back there in, we'll go back to <clears throat> Numbers chapter 11. I've lost my marker. Slipped out. <clears throat> and they wept. They even wept. Who shall give us flesh? We remember the fish. I remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers, the melons. Sounds like lunchtime, doesn't it? <laughs> and leeks and onions and garlic. It's getting a bit rich there. Like our old Prime Minister. What's his name? Dad in Tasmania he was. He got, a, he got an onion and he got... <laughs> he didn't flinch. <laughs> waiting for him to blink or, or weep. <laughs> but he just chewed into that onion. I don't know what he was trying to prove. He's a macho man or that. <clears throat> what was his name? Luke Luke no, no one Keating. Abbott. Abbott. Yeah, Tony Abbott. That's right. <laughs> I thought, well, that makes him a man. He can eat a garlic like that. Oh, it makes him an Egyptian. Or an <laughs> onion. Gar garlic. Well, if you want to keep friends, watch out on that one. Melons and leather. This is what they wanted. Give us these things. A deep desire to have that which the Lord forbid them to have. Now the whole problem with this is what they say in verse 6. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna. What is manna like? We get to the main point. What is manna that we have? You got the manna in your lap. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. What were these people saying? We don't like the Bible. We don't like the Word of God. We don't like the bread from heaven, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. We would rather Egypt. We would rather the world. That's what they're saying. And how many churches today are reducing the content of the service to a minimum of this and maximum of, you know, bouncing around and jiving? That's what the church has done. The church. That's what Christendom is doing. Please entertain the goats. No, please. That's what they say. I'm an unsafe person. I'm part of the mixed multitude. I don't like what's... I want something that entertains me, just like the world. And it's wrong. It's wrong. And what you're saying to God, I don't like the Lord Jesus Christ, I hate the Bible, I don't like the Word of God, you're saying, I'm not a Christian. That's what people who go that way are saying. It's tragic. And they'll end up like Achan, and they'll end up like these people, dying from the result of resisting the truth. <clears throat> there's, <laughs> there's a story, and I'll read it here. As a pastor, he was in a restaurant years ago and there was an agnostic in the restaurant. The agnostic said, I judge you are a clergyman, sir. He must have a dog collar on. <laughs> yes, sir, I am the, in the master's service. And, uh, and the agnostic said, you look it, you look it. Preach out of the Bible, do you? Of course. Find a good many things in the old book that you don't understand, don't you? Well, some things. Well, what do you do with them? Why, I simply do just as we do while eating this delicious fish. If I come to a bone, I quietly lay it on one side and go on enjoying the fish. 
and let some fool insist on choking himself with the bones. <laughs> the agnostic got the point. <laughs> you know, it'll come to you one day, you'll understand what it was about, but today you might not understand it. Don't choke on the bones of God's word. Don't, don't let people put you down. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. That's what's happening here. This mixed multitude, these unsaved people amongst the saved people, they didn't like the word of God and it's, it was foolishness to them to go God's way. Neither can ye know them, it said, because they are spiritually discerned and they can be picked out by their lack of desire to love the word of God. Do you love the word of God? If you haven't read it, do you miss it? Young people, when you've got a brain that works good, that's when you're young, <laughs> memorise the scripture. Because that's, that's what doesn't leave you when you get old. Have you noticed that with people? We get old and you start forgetting things. You can remember everything when you are younger. So do it while you're young, fellas. <laughs> front row, these guys are up in front row all the time picking them on <laughs> but get into the, the word memorise it so that when you get old and you're in the rocking chair <laughs> on the veranda and you can recite the word all hymns you can sing you know from, from your youth because you've loved the word of God enough to hide it in your heart hey, all eternity is going to be about this not about all this stuff that we've got down here not about the lemons and leeks and onions and garlics and whatever else they were eating there. It's about the word. It's enlivening in its content. It's enlightening in its operation. It's enduring in its substance. It's emancipating in its ministry. It's ennobling in its effect. It's enforcing in its authority. It's encouraging in promise. And it's enriching in its content. There's just a few things with all the references we didn't talk, to, talk about. Notice the criticising of the word, as we've already mentioned. You imagine what God thought as they spoke of his provision like this. Imagine what God thinks. He looked down at churches today who have minimised the preaching of the word and by foolishness of preaching men get saved, it says in the Bible, and have maximised the entertainment of, this, of the people in the churches. Can you imagine a wife who's gone to great lengths to cooking a lovely roast? A lamb roast, or if you like beef, chicken, whatever. And the family mocks it, criticises it, and knocks the cooking. Young men, if you get married, and you first get married, and the cook's not real experienced, you better be careful about saying, Mum done better than this. <laughs> You're in real trouble once you say that. They'll never let you live it down. Is that true, Troy? <laughs> better than mum <laughs> but that's what we're saying to God you know don't like your cooking don't like what you've provided for us not good bread I've used this fellow before he came in when our kids were only little he wanted a bed for the night and he wanted to be catered for and he came in and he sat at the table we sat down to eat <clears throat> And we're all getting into it. And he's sitting there looking at it. And then he just pushed it aside. I don't eat that stuff. 
you know, what I felt like doing it, doing to <laughs> planting him with it, you know. <laughs> That's how rude. He was not an invited guest, he invited himself. And then we come to church, he said, I'll come to church with you Wednesday, it was a Wednesday, and he come to, ch- yeah, I'll come, and then the last minute he pulled out, and I put him down in the shed in the study there, because I didn't want him in our house while we were, <clears throat> and said, you can bed down there, got home and he's on the phone to England, and that's when it was timed calls, and the bill was over $120, and this is a long time ago, <laughs> don't like your bread. You know, we say, wow, what rudeness. I was glad. I was willing to pay a ticket on the train. I took him down to the train station. Here's a ticket. Go. I don't want you around here anymore. I knew where he lived too because my bus route went past there for five years at Selby. <laughs> I asked him where he, where he hailed from and what he was doing up here. But uh, no one, no one in 40 years has rung us up and wondered something has ever been ridgy ditch. They're all been mockers just to take advantage. Anyway, that's the way the world is. But they despised, he despised the bread. Don't despise God's word. Love God's word. It's taken a whole lot of blood, sweat and tears to get this book into your hands. And appreciate that many, multiple millions, billions of people haven't got a copy of the Bible. We have. And God will hold us accountable for what we do and how we teach our children. What does it say? Line upon line, here a little, there a little, teaching as you go through. You know, if we despise the word of God, we're like another man in the Bible. He despised the, the food at dad's table. He's the prodigal son. Remember the end of his life. Where did he end up? He ended up in the pig pen. He ended up eating the husks. What is that called? Metamusal. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> ground up husks they're good for your tummy apparently he must have had a very healthy digestive system <laughs> the, the, the the prodigal because he was eating a husk the swine did eat and then he he came to himself he fain would have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat when he came to himself he said how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and spare and i perish with hunger and that's the person that is a Christian, but a nominal Christian, a worldly Christian, unsanctified Christian. I want the world to hanker for it just like these people did. And they get to eat in the husks of the world. And when it's all said and done and when life's finished, they will regret greatly that they went and ate the husks of the world. Instead of the good word of God and believe what it said about the future, believe what it said about the present and the past, its history is true. <laughs> Are you eating the world's husks or are you satisfied with the Lord's word? The weeping for the worldly husks is seen in that chapter and it's in verse 4. It uses the word weep in verse 10. And Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. What a miserable place to be. Here's Moses looking around and everyone's crying because of this bread we don't like. Hey, when God gave that bread from heaven, and this is all they had to eat for the 40 years. Do you think God put in it everything that was needed to sustain life? They didn't have to get Geneva's vitamin tablets and all the other breeds, Swiss, Swiss. <laughs> they didn't have to have that because in that bread, 
was at all. It wasn't just bread, it was the whole thing. It was the vegetables, it was the greens, it was the oranges and the reds, whatever colour, and, and the meat too. <laughs> it was complete. God gives us the word of God, it's complete. It's everything you need. And if you want something else and some philosophy or psychology and try and add it to the scripture, forget it. It's not the bread from heaven. The word is what we need. Don't weep for what you think you want or need and haven't got. And uh, the Lord said tomorrow in verse 18, you shall eat flesh for you have wept in the ears of the Lord. Wept, Moses heard them in the doors of their tent. They went to the broken cisterns of the world. That's what they wanted. And the warning of the word of God to them in verse 19, <clears throat> he said, you shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, but twenty days. Imagine eating steak for 20 days. You probably get constipated. I don't know. <laughs> you want it, I'll give it to you. That's what the Lord said. And notice when, when he did provide, what happened to this is interesting. <clears throat> you want flesh to eat, I'll give it to till it comes out your nose. The whole <clears throat> month until in verse 20 it come out your nostrils. It, you, you, I'm going to give it to you and you should, it'll be loathsome to you because you have despised God's word I'll give it to you folk I think the church today God is looking down and say you want the world I'll give you the world and you pay the consequences for desiring that which you should not desire loathsome to you because you have despised the Lord and his word who is among you and have wept before him saying we, why came we forth out of Egypt <clears throat> um, where, where is it given verse 31 skip over to there and there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails out of the sea and let them fall on the camp as it were a day's journey on this side and that side you know all around them Around about the camp. Two cubits high. <laughs> my, my imagination. Two cubits high. That's 900 millimetres thick of quails. And a lot of birds. 20 miles out. Day's journey out from the camp everywhere. No, they weren't that thick. You know, you couldn't, you, you couldn't, you couldn't walk through them. That's, that's about the height they were going at. You've been in a paddock and you're walking along and, oh, it's rotten quail. <laughs> they, 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 they jump out of their squat or where they've been perching and they, they've got a, a whistle to their wings they've got their triangular wings and they take off and they give you a start when you're walking through the paddock and they go about 900 millimetres above the ground isn't that right Mr Dunn? that's right and they, and they scoot off and they get down in another sort of squat uh, <clears throat> and uh, that's, that's the quail I was used to about that big bit blackbird size a bit bigger than a blackbird and so these quails were all out 20, 20 kilometres all around the camp. So they went out. And what did they do? Let's read on there in verse 32. And the people stood up all that day and all that night. You know, when you fall to the lust of the flesh and getting what you want, you just go for it and way over the top. All that day and all that night. And all the next day they didn't get to sleep because they had flesh to eat. And they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten homers. 
<laughs> not playing, what is that, baseball? It's <laughs> homers. And they spent, spread them all about for themselves round about the camp. Now there's 600,000 men gathering this man of quails. How much is this? <clears throat> I checked, <laughs> checked it out. How much is a homer? Even ask Google, how much is a homer? What is it? And they had it all there, and they had it. They went from different measurements in the Hebrew, and measured it all out. Um, <clears throat> one source said to Google, "43,200 egg size things, and 20 eggs makes a litre. So you divide 20 into that, and you come up with 2,160 litres of quails they gathered for themselves." That's 500 gallons. That, that's a, a big tanker we pulled around to supply three bulldozers for a week <laughs> with fuel, a 500-gallon tanker. It is pretty, that's five tonnes of fuel. Now, I thought, surely it's wrong. <laughs> but I've got, originally, when I wrote something next to my, in my Bible, two 44-gallon drums full. Now, this is a family doing this. Two 44-gallon drums full of quails. Chickens, say chickens. If you took them all, you t- they took three days or two and a half, three days to do it. And they roasted them all. They had no freezers in the desert. They had no way of preserving them, no fridges. <laughs> what were they going to do with it all? What went wrong? You see, when you get off with, away from the Lord, you go off track big time. And they did. And they were <clears throat> cooking up. They didn't need the food. They didn't need this much. And you've been to a quail farm, I've worked, worked around a couple. If you're feathering when you kill the chook, we held the string. Mum tied a hay band around the head. The kids all held the string. Mum held the axe and the, the wings and the legs of the chook in one hand and the axe in the other, and the kid was at the other end, down on the chopping block. Off went the head, hold the chook. <laughs> don't hold the chalk hey, don't do this to your chooks brother Michael <laughs> but if you don't hold the chalk <laughs> it's still alive for a while and then you pour hot water all over it and pluck it we, used to, we didn't have Kentucky Fried Chicken in our day <laughs> we had chicken on the foot and then, and then you, you gut it and clean it out inside can you imagine doing all the, enough quails to just fill two 44-gallon drums. We're only going 400 litres, not 2,000. What sort of mess would have been around outside the camp? Feathers everywhere. The wind blew, feathers. <laughs> and then the awful... We had one man, he's a Christian man, he runs a quail farm down there, he's still got it, and he wanted us to go and clean out the, 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 the awful dam the, 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 where it all run into <laughs> And I looked at it, I said, no, nah, no, nah, that's not my machine, doesn't do that. <laughs> I said, my brother, my brother's does. <laughs> he got an excavator with it, <laughs> a thousand litres at a time. <clears throat> and so my brother went there and quoted on it and he said, look, this is going to raise a stink. And it's pretty populated around where this was happening. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, well, the government... The council said we have to clean the dam out. He said, OK, we'll clean the dam out. And so he lifted it out and it spread everywhere. 
and it stunk. Can you imagine the camp? <laughs> this is what was happening. All because they wanted flesh to eat. You see the point? When we go away from wanting what God wants us to have, the word of God, and we go to the flesh potch of Egypt, we're going to pay a price. We're going to cause a stink. And <clears throat> we need to get back to the book, back to the word, back to what God wants. That's what's important, not what we want and our putting it into there. Read the word and let it change us, not us change the word. Anyway, the wrath of the Lord come upon them in verse 33. And while the flesh was in between their teeth, they'd done all this work all these days and they're about to chomp down. I've never had a quail, actually. I've seen them, I've worked around them, but never eaten a quail. They're expensive if you go to a restaurant. But when it was just about to be eaten, the wrath of the Lord come upon them. <clears throat> Before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And I say, folks, for churches that despise the word and use the worldly tactics to reach out, the wrath of the Lord is upon them. They will be left, and Revelation 17 tells us the consequences of those that do not believe the word. And the place, name of the place is called that. Let's desire the word of God. In Psalm 106, in conclusion, verse 11 to 15, <clears throat> God gave them request of their souls. He gave them what they wanted, but sent leanness, sent leanness to their souls. Uh, <clears throat> and it's talking about this occasion in Psalm 106. Then believed they his words, they sang his praise. They soon forgot his works, and they waited not for his counsel. They lusted exceedingly in the wilderness, and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them the request, but sent leanness to their soul. And folk, you'll be a lean, mean Christian if you want other than what God has given you. God's wrath was kindled against them. God abhors that in verse 40 of Psalm 106. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people insomuch that they abhorred his own, he abhorred his own inheritance. And he allowed the nations to rule over them in verse 41 of Psalm 106. In verse 43, they were brought low before for their iniquities. They were brought low for their iniquities. Let's love the word of God. Let's read the word of God. Let's meditate upon the word of God. And let's not complain about listening to the word of God. I don't mind going home and listening to the junior church and to others, other sermon. I, I like to listen to the word of God. You know, you're preaching it all the time. You want something coming in, not just always going out. And love the word of God. <clears throat> in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You despise the word and want the flesh potch of Egypt. You're despising the Lord. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And he, as it says, he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the word of God. Despise the word, you despise the Lord. Trust in the Lord, believe on his word. Love it and uh, enjoy it.
Enjoy it. You know, the restauranteur says, enjoy it, when they put the food down. Enjoy it. God's put it down. Enjoy it. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that we can enjoy the word. We can love it. And, Lord, let's learn from the example of these people that did wrong thing. They wanted other than the word of God. They wanted the worldly ways to do it in the flesh parts of Egypt. Minister to each of us to desire the word. If we've not read the word of God this week in our private places, may you rebuke our hearts. If we've not read it daily, rebuke our hearts. If we have not meditated upon it, rebuke our hearts. Lord, if we're not saved, may we heed the word of God and not be part of that mixed multitude. Become your child. Bless us as we have a closing hymn we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.